So if you have your Bible or you have your phone, your iPad, if you want to join us on our church app, you can, you can look up our church, our family life church, Lafayette, in the, any one of the app stores. You can download that real quick and follow along the outline. If you're more old school and you like paper notes, you can grab those in the back because I see a couple of ladies going through that right now. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. That's where we're going to mainly be at and, and reading, uh, the, the account. Of, of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Uh, but to set that up as you turn there, Matthew 28, uh, of course, we know that as we've just gone through, it's known as Holy Week. Last Sunday, we had communion together on Palm Sunday. Uh, and then obviously, which led up to what we know as Good Friday, where Jesus died on the cross and he was crucified for me and you. Amen. The, the sinless, spotless lamb didn't do, never sinned, but yet he went to that cross. He died a gruesome death even before the cross. Uh, was beaten and tortured for me and you. He died in our place. We deserved everything he got on that cross and before, yet he loved us so much. John 3.16 tells us that he went to the cross for me and you, right? And then while he was on the cross, he was also being mocked. He was being mocked because he told them that he was the king of Israel and that, that uh, he, was, he was the king of kings and he was proclaiming. He would, all through his ministry, he was quoting Old Testament prophets of who he was. And so the Jewish leaders began to mock him and said, oh, if you are the king, well, then save yourself, get yourself down from here and, and all of that. And they mocked him because of his claim. Then, of course, we know he died. He gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. He died, was buried. And the, the Jewish people, again, remembered what he said, that he would rise from the dead three days later. And they were afraid that, that, if, that, that, uh, that the disciples would come and steal his body. So uh, they, they implored the Roman authorities and said, hey, can you send guards to the tomb? And we heard on the video, I mean, who can hold back the risen king, right? The living God and almighty, all power. I love even in Matthew, if you read right before this, uh, it says that they guarded, uh, they sent guards to guard the tomb the best they could. Well, they didn't do a good job at all, right? Because they couldn't stand against the power of God. So we know he's in the tomb, he's buried, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1, says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. Now, even that this morning, as I read that in the first service, you know, as we, especially first service, I got up this morning as I was praying and going over my notes, and, and the Lord was showing me things, and the sun was rising. You know, not only was it as a new day was dawning in the physical and a new sunrise, a new day was dawning on all humanity that day. As that sun rose and a new day was dawning on that first resurrection Sunday, a new day for all humanity and all eternity was dawning. Amen? And it says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Amen? His face shone like light, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear, and they saw him. When they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come on. How many of y'all know every time Jesus said something would happen, it happened, right? Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women quickly ran from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet. I love this. And worshiped him. When Jesus said, then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Father, we thank you for sending your son 
as a sacrifice for us on the cross in our place. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for being willing to go to the cross, Lord God, on our behalf, Lord, and that we can celebrate. Not only did you go to the cross, but you died, you was buried, and you rose again. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us today, and that you're always helping us. Help me as I preach your word. Help us all to receive it and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... If anything proves the kingship of Jesus Christ, it is that he is, is his resurrection from the dead. You see, the final chapter of Matthew's gospel is a record of victory. Amen? It's a thrilling truth that we as believers today share in that victory. And that's why I titled this message, The King's Victory, right? As we just sang, all hail King Jesus, right? It's a victory. They were mocking Jesus, thinking he was defeated on the cross, thinking him dying was the end. But when he came out of that grave... It showed that he was the victorious, true king of kings and lord of lords. King over every king and lord of lords. So today we're going to look at the various stages of the early believers' experience with Jesus' resurrection and how it applies to our lives, right? Everything in scripture, whether it's, it's a Christmas service, the Easter service, and every service in between, when you read the Bible, God's living word, when we preach the Bible, there's always something that we can apply to our lives. Amen. So I'm going to do my best to do that this morning. So look, let's look at there's three different stages that the early disciples on that first, on that resurrection Sunday, what they experienced. Number one, first the disciples thought Jesus was dead. Let's go back to Matthew 28, 1. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. You see that? They didn't go out to visit Jesus. They went out to visit the tomb because they thought he was still dead. You see, they had lingered at the cross then came early to the tomb, bringing spices so they could anoint his body because they thought he was dead. Now, I don't say it in this account, but the other gospels tell us that the word, the world, see, the world, most of the world believes Jesus died on the cross. Most, some people that are religious or even have some kind of faith background, but not all the world believes in the supernatural miracle of the resurrection. We must never underestimate the importance of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ ever. It shouldn't be something we talk about just when we celebrate uh, Easter, but something that's at the very core of our faith day in and day out. Matter of fact, Peter's message at Pentecost emphasized the resurrection, and the rest of the book of Acts also emphasized the resurrection. They knew that, that it was not, the, the, how important the cross is, the blood, as we sang about the blood a lot this morning, we know that, but the resurrection, because if the resurrection didn't happen, everything before it is null and void, Right? So there's power and significance in the resurrection. What's the significance of the resurrection? It proves that Jesus is the Son of God. In John 10, Jesus stated that he had authority to both lay down his life, which he did on the cross, but also take it up again. So it proves he's the Son of God. Then also it, it verifies the truth of Scripture. Both the Old Testament and New Testament clearly teach on the resurrection of Christ. If Jesus had not come out of the tomb, then the very Scriptures we read would not be true. Did you ever think about that? Everything else in the scriptures wouldn't be true if the resurrection wasn't true. It also assures us a future, our future resurrection. Because Jesus died and rose again. First Thessalonians 4 tells us that one day we will rise like Christ. Come on, church, that's some good news there. The fact that the entire structure of our faith rests on the foundation of the resurrection. If we do away with the resurrection, we have no hope. And let me stop here and say that, you know, some of you might have walked in here hopeless today. You may feel hopeless or maybe 
You may be full of fear. Twice, one, the angels said, fear not, don't be afraid. And then Jesus, once he met the disciples, told them as well, don't be afraid. So you may have walked in here hopeless today, but I'm believing and I'm hoping that before you leave here today, that you will have hope, that hope will arise in you, that you'll be stirred with hope because of the power of the resurrection. And if you're dealing with fear, just as the angel and Jesus told the early disciples, do not be afraid or fear not, that fear will be broken off of your life today. Which leads to the next thing why the resurrection is so important. It gives power for Christian living. We cannot live for God in our own strength. It's only his resurrection power that works in us. Matter of fact, the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside our mortal bodies, right? And then Romans 6, 4 says this, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now, why now? Because he's been resurrected, right? Now we also may live new lives, right? It also assures of Assures, assures us of our future inheritance. Because we have living hope, we can experience hopeful living. But you see, because Jesus Christ is alive, we know that we have this glorious future. First Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, It is by his great mercy. How many of y'all thankful for his mercy? We sang about and we, we thankful for because of his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live in great expectation. I love this. And we have a priceless inheritance. You know, some, you get an earthly inheritance and there's a value on it, but we have a priceless one. You can't put a value because what? Our inheritance is kept where? Not in any banks. In heaven. Amen? An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, and beyond the reach of change and decay. Come on, y'all. Our inheritance can't be taken by the IRS. Our inheritance, it doesn't matter what the stock market's doing. Our heavenly inheritance is, is kept in a safe place where we're going to spend all eternity. Amen? Now let's go back to Matthew's account of the resurrection. Let's read a few verses again. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they spoke, when they saw him, the angel, and they fell to a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. There it is again. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. I told the first service, this is where you could tell that it sounds the angels from South Louisiana. They said, man, come see. Come see where the angel led them. So, all right, the first service got that a little better than y'all. So anyway, it must be more rooted South Louisiana people at the first service. So. so listen, all joking aside, the stone was not rolled away to allow Jesus to come out. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. knew that. The stone wasn't rolled away. Jesus was already gone. When the, the, the angel rode the stone away, Jesus had already departed. He was resurrected. The reason the angel rode the stone away was so the disciples can see in. He said, come and see. I rode the stone so you can see in of what, what, what happened here. And he's gone. He's, he's alive. So what did they see in the, in the tomb? The, the gospel of John tells us that grave clothes were lying like a stone on a stone shelf still wrapped in the shape of his body. Jesus had passed through the grave clothes and left them behind as evidence he was still alive, right? They lay there like an empty cocoon. There was no sign of struggle. Even the cloth that wrapped his face was folded carefully in place by itself. I heard it also saying that the cloth was wrapped neatly, not just thrown to the side. You know when you go eat at a restaurant, you know they say if you fold your napkin gently and put it on the table, it's to let the server know you're coming back. 
You're not done yet. Come on, somebody. He folded that cloth on his face gently and neatly to let you know not only am I alive, but I'm coming back again. Amen? So let me ask this question today. Remember, the, the disciples thought Jesus was dead, but now they can clearly see he was alive. So I want to turn the corner in your life. Is there anything in your life that you feel like is dead or it's dying? When you look at a situation, maybe a relationship, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your, your potential, maybe it's your purpose, maybe it's your very faith. Maybe, again, it's a marriage. I had a couple come up to us that raised their hand during the time of prayer. After a couple came up after the first service, and they said they felt like their marriage was dying. And, 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 and we prayed for them. So maybe it's something like that. Just like the disciples who thought Jesus was dead and had no hope, he proved to them that he rose again. He can resurrect in your life whatever you think is dead. Amen. Maybe it's your hope. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's something somebody doesn't even know. It's people around you can't even tell. But inside, you've been thinking, you've been contemplating, you've been feeling that these things are dead inside. But I'm here to tell you today that the risen king is alive and he can resurrect in you anything that you think is dead. I want to give you a couple examples from scripture and then a personal one. You know, I just read through the book of uh, Ruth again yesterday. And then as I was reading that, I already had prepared my message. But I was reading through the book of Ruth, Ruth yesterday morning. Man, I just saw it again. How beautiful. You see, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, had her husband died and her only two sons died. And she thought that she would have, that, that the chance of her having children or descendants through her family line was all gone. She even thought God was against her. She said, God raised his fist against me and sent all this tragedy upon me. But if you read the book of Ruth, and I encourage you to do so, it's a short book, four chapters, beautiful story. Ruth goes back with her mother-in-law to her homeland and meets what it was known in the Bible as a kinsman redeemer, which is a picture of Christ. Boaz was a close family relative of Naomi's husband and, and uh, son, sons, and he redeemed Ruth, and he married her. And so through Ruth, Naomi ended up still having descendants. Now check this out. She just thought she would have kids and never have kids. That had hope that she would never have kids. That had hope was dead. A couple of generations later, it would be Ruth's great grandson ended up being King David. And then through that same descendants came King Jesus. Come on, somebody. Not only can God resurrect something that you think's dead in your life, he can make it exceedingly abundantly more powerful and glorify him like you never thought. Amen. Now, even though Naomi probably never lived to see King David, and definitely, you know, because that was generations later, I know she's in heaven, probably that great cloud of witnesses looking down and saying, man, what a blessing. God can take something that was you thought was dead and resurrected and make it glorious. Amen. Also, I know I have a pastor friend of mine who used to, who was in ministry years ago. And then something happened to where he was out of ministry. And as we became friends, he told me that he never thought that he'd preach again, ever preach again, or that he would ever be in ministry. He thought God was done with him. That was a season, even though he knew he was called. But today he's in full-time ministry. Amen. God can resurrect your purpose and your potential if that's what you think is, is, uh, is hopeless in your life or that's dead. And then one more biblical example. In John chapter 5, there was a man who was paralyzed, couldn't walk for 38 years. You could about imagine he thought that his hope for walking was dead or was definitely dying, right? Until he met Jesus. 
When he met Jesus, Jesus touched him and performed a miracle, and instantly he got up and began to walk again. Amen? You see, this man was looking for people to put him in a pool of water that was being stirred, they thought, by the angels. He was looking to people they, for, for his resurrection in his life, for his touch. But when he came across Jesus, the risen king, is when he got his breakthrough. Amen? Which leads to the next stage of the resurrection. Number two, the disciples met the living Christ personally. First they thought he was dead. Now they, they realized and met the living Christ personally. Let's go back to Matthew 28, 7 through 10. And now I'll go quickly and tell your disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You remember this is the angel speaking to the two women. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened but also filled with joy. Listen, I hope that if you walked in here fearful today, frightened, that even right now you're beginning to have joy stirred up in your life. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. I love this. Notice that the Lord's first two resurrection appearances were to these two faithful women. Isn't that awesome? They were the, uh, the not only the last two to leave the cross, but they were the first ones to come to the tomb. And their devotion to Christ was rewarded. Come on, that's a word for us as well. I want to tell you, God sees your devotion to him. Jesus sees your devotion when nobody else does. When people think you're crazy for, for staying and lingering in the presence of God, he sees your devotion. And their devotion was rewarded. I believe yours will be too. Not only did the angel commission them, but the Lord also commissioned them. Jesus himself used the phrase, my brother's which reveals an intimate relationship between Christ and his disciples. Jesus reinforced the instructions the angels gave the disciples to meet him at Galilee. And so we see throughout the other Gospels, it wasn't only to, to the, these ladies and to the twelve. We see in Luke 24, he also appeared to two, the two Emmaus disciples that day. In John chapter 20, we see the Lord appeared to, to, to the ten disciples in the upper room as well in Jerusalem. And then a week later, he appeared to the 11 disciples, and he dealt with Thomas's unbelief in John 20, 19 through 25. Maybe as well, you may be dealing with unbelief in here today. Maybe you've came here today, you was invited by a family member or a friend, or, or you typically maybe come to church like on Christmas and Easter, but really, you either once had faith or there's not much faith. I believe the Lord's here and that he wants to deal with your faith in a loving and a merciful way. I believe just like hope will we'll stir up in you. Courage will stir up. I believe faith is going to stir up in you as well. Also on that Resurrection Sunday, I love this. This always speaks to me. Jesus made a special appearance to Peter. Why was it special? Because Peter had denied Jesus three times right before his crucifixion, where Jesus would have needed his disciples the most. They all scattered whenever uh, he got arrested in the garden. And then Jesus, uh, Peter went to see what was going on as Jesus was standing trial, and he denied Jesus three times. And I'm going to talk to you more about that in a minute. But I want to stop and say, before we get to Peter, have you met the living Christ personally? Going back to maybe you only come to, to church a couple of two, three times a year. Have you met him personally? Or is Easter just a religious ritual to you or something, uh, traditions to take part in? If you never met the living Christ in a few minutes, you're going to have the opportunity to do so. This is the true purpose of Easter, is that you come to know and accept and serve the living Christ. Amen. Maybe you are in a personal relationship with Christ, 
or you were at one time, and you relate to Peter. As I just said, he denied the Lord three times. Let me say it this way. He failed Jesus three times. Three different times he failed. How many of you ever felt like you failed the Lord? I can put both of my hands up. Where you failed Jesus. He failed the Lord in his time of need the most. Three different times. Maybe you relate to Peter and say, man, Brandon, I don't think Jesus wants to, to have a personal relationship with me because I messed up too many times. Well, if you feel that way, I want to read a part of the resurrection account from the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, it says, When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. That was the angel. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Watch this. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. That Jesus has gone ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before. Why did the angel specifically ask or tell the, the disciples to tell them to include Peter? He said, tell the disciples, including Peter. Because the angel and the Lord knew that Peter thought, man, God's not going to want to have anything to do with me because of how many times I messed up. He's not going to want to be with me or see me or definitely not have a relationship with me. But he specifically included Peter. You may be sitting here today and you say, man, Brandon, I failed the Lord too much. You can never fail him too much. His mercies are brand new this morning. The Lord is including you. You could put your name there. He's calling for his disciples, including you. Amen? The resurrection, that resurrection Sunday began with the disciples and the women thinking Jesus was dead. Then they were told he was alive. Following that announcement, they met him personally. Now there was one more stage for them to experience. And the third and final thing I want to encourage you with this morning is that the disciples shared the good news with others. They thought he was dead. They met him personally. But then they were commissioned to share the good news with others. And we see throughout the New Testament they do that. Let's read Matthew 28, 16 and 20. We hadn't read this yet. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, here it is again, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Let me pause right here and say, even in this room, a lot of us have worshiped this morning, but there still may be some doubting. And again, my hope and prayer is in the next few minutes, before you leave this building, you won't doubt anymore, but you will believe. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, some Bible scholars believe that on this mountain meeting, so to speak, right here, is where Jesus appeared to over 500 people. We see that the Apostle Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, that he appeared to, to uh, 500, and they believe this is where I was at. Matthew 28, 18, and 20, that I just read, is known as the Great Commission. A lot of us know about that. And it applies to all of us in here that are believers. And there's three factors. Let me just tell you, this is a culmination for those of you that are family life members is what I've been talking to you about the last two weeks. And this is the culmination of it, that we must share the good news. And it, it implies three factors. One, we have been given Christ's authority. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given authority in heaven and on earth. Then look at Luke 10, 19. Jesus told the disciples, look, I have given you authority. Everybody say you. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Now, when he gave authority, it was in the context, yes, of them being sent out two by two to go spread the good news. 
He had just sent him out two by two, and he said, I'm giving you the authority over the enemy and over all of this wickedness, right? He told them he was sending them out, and he was giving them this authority. That word authority in the Greek actually means the right to use power. How many of you are excited this morning? You have the right to use Jesus' power. Amen? He's given you the right to tap into and to use his power to win the loss to him and to do and fulfill your purpose. Our vision for you here is for you to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. Come on, you can use Jesus' power to make a difference. Matter of fact, you have to use his power in order to make a difference. See, Christianity is a missionary faith. The very nature of God demands this. For God is love, and God is not willing that any should perish, according to 2 Peter 3.9, but he wishes all come to repentance. His will is for all people to come to repentance and to know him in a personal way, as we just talked about a minute ago. See, the Lord's death on the cross was for the whole world. If we are the children of God, we share his nature, right? We are created in God's image, then we will want to tell the good news to the lost world around us. We read all in the book of Acts. We see how that's how the early church operated under the basis of God's sovereign authority. They ministered in Jesus' name. They depended on his power and guidance. They did not face a lost world on the basis of their own authority. Come on, we can't do nothing in our own authority, but on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have his authority. Secondly, we must stay active. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I am giving you. Now listen, the Greek verb translated go is actually not a command, but a present participle. Now you didn't know you was coming to an English class this morning, right? Those of you that know me say, Brandon, you are not authorized to teach an English class, and you were right about that. But I did as I was reading this. That's what, that's what it means, right? In other words, Jesus was saying, while you're going, make disciples. He already was saying that they were, he knew they were going to go. So he was saying, while you're going, make disciples of all nations. So it doesn't matter where we're at. We should be witnesses for Jesus Christ and seek to win others to him. Again, church, this is for the, for, for church, family life members. I've been talking to you. This is like the third part of me encouraging you to do this. Cause listen, I've been encouraging you to do this building up to Easter, but just because Easter is about to be over, we shouldn't stop. Amen. Amen. We got to stay active. To continue to share the gospel and share the good news with others. It's not enough to just win people to Christ either. We must also teach them the word of God through discipleship. That's why we have life groups here. This is a major part of the Great Commission. And then the third thing is that we all have the ability because Christ is within us, right? Through his Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 20. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, Jesus is not only in the midst of his people. As the scripture says, when we gather together, excuse me, but he also is present when we scatter throughout the world to be a witness. You see, if Jesus remained on earth, Jesus would not have fulfilled this promise. So he died, he was buried, he was resurrected, but then he ascended and he sent his Holy Spirit. And when he did that, that way he can be with everyone everywhere at all times, right? Isn't it glad to know that when you leave here today, wherever you go this afternoon, tomorrow when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're in the grocery store, the ballpark, when you're at your house, the Lord is with you by his Spirit. Amen. He said, I'll be with you everywhere. When you travel, when you go on missions that we're about to start going on again, he will be with us. Amen. The Apostle Paul discovered this to be true when he was seeking to establish a church in one of the most difficult cities of Corinth, a very worldly, very perverted city. Paul went to the city, but he won people to Christ. He baptized them. He taught them the word. And when going through tough times, 
How many of y'all know, and right now, you say, Brandon, I'm in a tough time, right? In life, the going gets tough, right? But when the going gets tough, it's not the tough get going. You, when the going gets tough, remember the Lord is with you, right? That, that's what, what, what the Lord showed Paul. Look at, look at uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. There's that phrase again. Speak out. Don't be silent. Why? For I am with you. He didn't say, because you're tough, Paul. He said, because I'm with you. Amen? We know that our strength comes from Christ. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It says, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. None of that's our own strength or our own authority. The Lord is with us. We must be active every day, even when it gets tough, even when it gets hard. And the book of Matthew ends with the phrase, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that's an important phrase because this indicates that the Lord has a plan. He has a plan for you and for me. He has a plan for the church. He is the Lord of history. As the church follows in his leading and obeys his word, he fulfills his purpose in the world, right? We talk about finding our purpose. Well, finding our purpose is part of the Lord fulfilling his purpose on the earth. It all comes to a climax one day. Remember, he's coming back. Either when we pass on, we'll be with him, or he's coming again. Until then, we must be faithful in sharing the good news. We must be active. Amen? Amen. So as we close, let's recap in a time of prayer. Is there something in your life that you think, you believe, or you sense is dead or dying, and you have very little hope that that relationship, maybe your calling, purpose, a health issue, something, your faith, your courage, can be resurrected? Would you do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to take this time to pray for you. Please, if you don't mind, nobody looking around. With every head bowed, every eye closed, even as the worship team is going to make their way back up here, try not to be distracted. Just focus on, on, on what I'm saying here. And I believe it's the Lord that's speaking to you. Is there something in your life? You say, Brandon, I feel like something's, something's dead or dying in my life. Like I tell you, we had a young couple come up, just got married not long ago, and they asked us to pray for them because they felt like their marriage was dying. Maybe it's that. It's some other relationship. If you say, Brandon, would you pray for me? I have something that I just sense. Maybe your faith itself needs to be resurrected. Would you just lift your hands if that's you? I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Hands going up all over. Anybody else? Hands going up all over the building. Say, Brandon, I need this resurrected in my life today. Come on, I'm going to pray in agreement with you. I see your hands. Hands still going up. Keep your hands up as I pray for you. Come on, the resurrected king, the victorious king is in this room today, amen? He wants to resurrect whatever's going on in your life. Come on, just silently tell him what that is and lift it up to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come in agreement with my brothers and sisters with their hands raised. I don't know what it is that they feel is dead or dying in their life, but Lord, I know just as the early disciples encountered you and they thought you were dead, but yet you rose again. Lord, I'm believing that the stone being rolled back so they can see your power, Lord, the power of the resurrection to resurrect their health, to resurrect their faith, Lord, to resurrect their courage, their purpose, their potential, to resurrect marriages and relationships with children, Lord, whatever it may be, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, I pray for a resurrection, Lord, God, to happen in their lives personally, in their families, in their homes, in their businesses, in their faith, Lord, may they come to know you and live free, that they would find their purpose, and Lord, God, they would make it difference Lord I pray over everyone with their hands up in Jesus name in Jesus name amen if you don't mind now would you just put your hands down come on I just pray in faith I just feel like something shifted that some of you you're going to get your breakthrough a resurrection in your life amen so just would you do me a favor stay in an attitude of prayer let me ask the second question have you met the Lord Jesus personally 
Again, maybe church and Easter has been a thing of religion to you, but there's not that personal relationship with Christ. Look at what Hebrews 10.20 says. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. I love that. Because he rose to life again. He gives us a life-giving way to have a personal relationship with him. See, Jesus wants to have that relationship with you that will last for this life, but also prepare you for eternity. You know, in the last few weeks, we've done a lot of funerals here. And, and I know Easter Sunday, you're not thinking about, you know, uh, how long you were going to be on this planet. But the truth is, we should think about that every day. If you just had a one, two, couple days left on this planet, and you breathe your last, where would you spend eternity? The Bible tells us we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. And we must be prepared. I read a quote recently that said, only fools go all the way through life unprepared for what they know is inevitable death is universal and unpredictable but it's also scary for people who haven't yet accepted the mercy of God you see the Bible tells us we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard and the wages of sin is death and we know that word death means an eternal death because the next line says but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus through the risen King that's the offer we sinned the price was death, eternal death. Jesus died on the cross for us. So what's your response today? I want to go back to the cross and show you two different responses. You're sitting in this building today, and you may say, oh, man, I don't believe all that stuff. Or you, your heart may be pounding today saying, Brandon, I know I need to get right with, with God and have a personal relationship with Jesus. There was two men in the book of Luke during the, the uh, crucifixion. And had two different responses. Two thieves were on the cross on the side of them. One criminal ridiculed Jesus saying, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself then and save us. Luke 23, 39. But the other criminal on the other side defended Jesus and asked for mercy. And when he asked for mercy, admitting he was a sinner, he said this. And that's his, him, him letting the Lord know that. Jesus promised the thief this. In Luke 23, 43. I promise that today you will be with me in paradise. Now some of you in here, you know that, that you're not right with God, that you, you're living a sinful life, you have things that you need to get rid of and that are not pleasing to the heart of God. But others of you, you've maybe heard the gospel a lot, you've been in church, you maybe grew up in a certain church or denomination and you were taught that you have to do all kinds of things to be right with God. Man, you gotta be baptized, you gotta, you gotta serve in church, you gotta do all these works, you gotta dress the right way. But this thief couldn't do any of that, right? He was on the cross. And when he repented and asked Jesus for mercy, there's nothing he could do but put his faith in Jesus. And he said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. That breaks all religion, all, all feelings of worth, of something you have to do special. You don't have to do anything but repent of your sin, but trust in Christ. Would you do me a favor one more time and bow your head and close your eyes with me? And know this, all who receive the mercy of God today will spend eternity with Jesus. That's the good news of Easter so whatever head bowed every eye closed if you say Brandon I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and I know there's things in my life that are sin and I'm not sure where I would spend eternity but today I don't want to leave this service without being sure if that's you just slip up your hand I want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith sir I see your hand over here amen see your hands right here in the front in the middle amen more hands going up over here to the right amen to my right anybody else more hands going up right here in the middle. Thank y'all for being bold. Come on, hands are still going. Before we leave today, in the back, I see you over there. 
Anyone else? Oh, you say, Brandon, you know what? I once walked with the Lord, knew the Lord personally, but man, I failed God so many times I feel like Peter and don't think that God wants to have anything to do with me. If that's you, just slip up your hand and say, man, I, I, I want to get right with God. I, I, I need that broken off of my life. Different hands going up over here to my left. Anybody else? Ma'am, I see you. More hands over here. Thank you for being honest. Doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and watch this, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And as a church, those of you with your hands raised, as a church, let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place, being buried and rising again in victory. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I turn to you today and I surrender my life to you and declare you as my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Hey, for those of you that prayed that prayer, raise your hand. First time or first time in a long time, there's some cards in the, in the chair right in front of you. It says connection card. Fill that out. Bring it to the info center. We want to give you a Bible. Come on. Before we leave, why don't we stand up one more time? I want to go back to where it began. Matthew 28, 9. It says this. When they first met Jesus personally, some of you just did that. They ran to him, grasped his feet, and look what they did. They worshiped him. Amen. Come on. I say before we leave today, why don't we one more time thank praise and worship the Lord for who he is and all he's done for us. Amen.
Crawfish Ball, our Thrive Women's Crawfish Ball on April 29th. I want to encourage you, you can sign up online or in our, our church app. And also, if you have children ages 6 through 10, we have our uh, kids camp, our yearly kids camp, June 27th through the 30th coming up. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. On Mother's Day and Father's Day our services, we're going to have special prayers for you mothers and you fathers and gifts. Moms, you'll be able to take pictures with your family on Mother's Day. So listen, if, if you made a decision, if you're our guest today, you need to get connected to a church. We'd love to have you here at Family Life. Go to our website and app, check it out. Uh, we love y'all. Hope to see you soon. Have a blessing. Let me pray over you. If you need prayer for anything, you can come down after. Father, I pray as we are released today, help us to shine our light, spread the gospel, even as we're with our family and friends and as we're feasting today, whatever we're doing this afternoon. Bless these as they go. May we continue to live in freedom and victory of the resurrected King. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. We love y'all. God bless y'all. Have a happy Easter. Thank you all again, worship team. You guys rock.